This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. The Money Pit is presented by Owens Corning, the Angie app, and Quick Creek. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast at floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. On air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we want you to look around your house. Look up, look down, walk around the exterior, and tell us what are you planning to take on this weekend, because we know you got a project. And if you do, we're here to help. We're here to lend a hand. We've been doing this a long time, and if you've got a challenge or an opportunity with a project that has to be done or one that you want to get done, reach out to us because we can help you save time, save money, and get it done once, get it done right, so you can get on to enjoying your home. The number here is one Money Pit, or you can post your questions at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, if you've got young kids, you know that they get smarter every day, and that's why your child-proofing safeguards have to get smarter as well. We're going to share some of the most effective ways to guard against childhood accidents. And the past few months have been tough in the housing market, and that's why a lot of people are turning towards renovating their home rather than buying a new one. But the market has also opened up some more affordable ways that you can finance those projects as well. So we're going to share those details in a bit. And if you've ever tried to repair cracked deteriorated concrete, like on a sidewalk or driveway or a garage floor, you may have found that those repairs have to be made to the same spots over and over again. So we're going to tell you a way to do these once and have them stick. But first, we want to help you create your best home ever. From bathrooms to basements and demolition to decor, we are your coach, your counselor, your cheerleader for all of those projects, big and small. So call us right now with those questions at one money pit or click the blue microphone button at moneypit.com. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? We've got Hope from Illinois on the line who's in a super great mood about this project. What's going on? The project is uh, putting up a fence for our dogs uh, in a pretty large area at the back of the house um, that borders a creek. It's a very high creek bank. Water uh, rarely comes into the yard or anything, mm-hmm. but um, just concerned about moisture um, and and what the ground might be like underneath and if that should affect the material that we use for the fence. What are you thinking about? What kind of fence are you, are you leaning towards? Well, we've looked at everything from like w- rolls of welded wire on, on posts or uh, some sort of black Broad iron, low fencing, something like three feet. Okay. So in either case, you're going to have metal fence posts, not wood fence posts. Have you thought about wood fencing or are you just afraid yeah, of the water? Yeah, we have definitely thought of wood as well, yes. Okay. So, well, something th- that won't um, ruin our view. 
Right. Okay. Hey, now that's a great point because if you want something that's almost invisible, the idea of the black fencing is definitely the way you want to go. If you have a, a black fence, like I often see these around pools because, you know, people put pool fences around because they absolutely have to and should. They're not only required, but they're just essential for safety. But let's face it, you spend all that money on the pool, you don't want to kind of just stare at a fence from, you know, from your house or the street. But if you use black fencing, it's almost invisible. It like melts in with the background. So I think that that's a really good choice if that is your goal. In terms of the moisture, I really don't think you have anything to be concerned about. If you were working with a wood fence or wood post, I would tell you to put those posts in and don't use any concrete, just use stone uh, aggregate, you know, like a gray driveway gravel kind of thing, because it drains and the post is just as solid with the stone as it is I found with concrete, um, but it drains very well and it's really locked in place well. Now, in terms of the metal post, I've not put in, well, I put one metal fence post in around a large garden some years ago. And I think if I recall right, I used stone for that. But you're going to have to check the manufacturer's recommendation. You don't have the same issues with rot. Most of those posts are aluminum. You just don't want to make sure that the, want to make sure that the post is not going to react with the concrete. And if you do decide to go with concrete and the metal post, then I would use the QuickCrete concrete product in the red bag because you can pour it in dry and then kind of water the hole. So you don't have to mix it up ahead of time. You basically pour it in dry and let it sit there and then just fill the water with, fill the hole with water and a couple hours later, you're good to go. Well, thank you so much and I listen to you every single week. I've learned so much from you guys. Oh, well, thank you so much. Good luck with the new house and call us back anytime. Thank you. All right, now we're going to talk to Robert in Michigan who's looking for some heating solutions. What's going on there, Robert? Well, I have a like a 1,500-square-foot house in uh, northern mid-Michigan, and I have, it's everything electric now. I have electric baseboard heat, and I remodeled recently, well, <laughs> 20 years ago, and I Recent for you. <laughs> in a lot of insulation. So the house okay, is pretty well good. insulated, and with thermal windows and et cetera, and okay. I... But electric heat is expensive, and I wondered if a air heat pump, I understood that they're a lot more efficient than they used to be, would be a solution for me. So they are, um, but Michigan's a tough climate for any kind of heat pump because it's just so darn right. cold. But I guess if your only choice is that or baseboard heat, it probably would be less expensive. But let me tell you a little bit a little bit about a heat pump and the way it works so you really understand what you're getting into here. So a heat pump, first of all, you have to have ducting that goes through the house to supply the heat, right? My plan is to just have it come into one main room. Just have it come into one room. So are you going to use like a through-the-wall unit? Yes, yes. The unit would be outside but then there right. would be a wall unit. Oh, so you're talking about like a mini split. So, okay, yeah, I, I, I understand that's what you're saying. What you call it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So they are more efficient. Uh, but here's what I wanted to make sure you were clear on. With a heat pump, the temperature of the air that comes out is not as warm as what's coming off of those radiators. You know, when, when you have fossil fuel, by way of an example, the air comes out at about 140 degrees. When you have a heat pump, it comes out at around 100, 110 degrees. So sometimes when people feel the air blowing on them from a heat pump, they, they feel like they, they'll say it's cold, but it's really just uh, not as warm as you used to. And when it hits your skin, the moisture evaporates off. It feels a little chilly sometimes. 
And what folks do in that case is they throw the thermostat up, and that's where it gets expensive because a heat pump maintains um, a very steady temperature in your house. And when you throw the thermostat up, you bring on backup resistance heat, which is like having another baseboard heater inside your heat pump, and it pretty much doubles or triples the cost to run that thing. So what I would do is if you put one in, I would set it and leave it alone and I would keep the baseboard heat units in as a backup for those extremely cold days when you're just not comfortable. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, for the most part, it'll be less expensive, but I still think there's going to be some really chilly days where you wish you had more. And the other thing, as you mentioned, you insulated the walls. Make sure you've got at least, at least 19 inches of insulation in your attic. That's the number one way to keep heat in that house. Okay. Thank you for returning the call. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. All right, now we've got Lynn in Delaware on the line who's got a leak in the basement that's as if somebody's turned a faucet on. What's going on? Well, uh, last Thursday we had a torrential rain in Delaware, and okay. um, I was so afraid of trees falling in the rain, I ran down to my basement immediately. And about maybe uh, two minutes being down there, I hear some sound like somebody turned on a faucet. So okay. I looked. Behind the um, where the faucet is, it comes from the inside. The water pipe comes from the outside onto the inside. Um, water was just gushing; it was just gushing in, just like a faucet. So it was coming around the pipe where the pipe comes through the wall. Yes. yes. Okay. Yep. All right. So that makes sense. Uh, you know what happens is when you get a torrential rain like that, it's going to find the path of the easiest path in the path of least resistance, and the holes that are drilled through foundation walls for things like plumbing, like the hose bib in your case, are going to provide an easy entry. So what I would tell you is is a couple of things. Now it probably only happens when you get maybe a severe downpour like this, and maybe even one that's, that's fueled by rain. But I would number one is I would take silicone and you can buy a tube of silicone and a little can squeeze tube or you can buy one and just put into a caulking gun and I would seal the gap around 
where the pipe comes through the foundation wall. All right, so next I want you to do the same thing on the inside. This is going to stop uh, what happened to you most recently. But the other thing I want you to do is to take a look, if you can, at the drainage conditions outside that wall because you might find that maybe you have an overflowing gutter there or that you have soil that is sort of settling down and maybe it's moving too much water towards that area of the wall. I don't know how high up this, this hose bib is. But generally the roof and surface drainage conditions are what starts this all. And it's an easy fix. You just got to figure out what it is. Um, downspouts are also really important to check. They Most of the time when the gutter companies put them in, they drop them pretty close to the foundation, but we always like to see them extended out four or five feet. So you're moving all that water out away from that wall, and if you can kind of move it out and keep it away, you're going to find that the whole space is a lot drier. And in your particular case, with this little gusher that happened, sealing the area around the pipe should stop that from happening the next time. Oh, okay. Now, another thing that I'm wondering now that you said about the ground settling and everything, this particular stepway, I've had um, gophers, not gophers, what are them things, groundhogs? Groundhogs, yeah. Under there, and I'm wondering uh-huh. if they could have messed moved the dirt and made a path or something to this. Yeah, they may have. They may have. Generally, the first four to six feet, you want to do what you can to keep the soil sloping away from the walls in those first few feet. So if it does settle in, you just add clean fill dirt, not topsoil, but just fill dirt, very inexpensive, and you pack it in there and you slope it away. Then you could put some mulch or you could put some topsoil and grass over that, but you want to have that soil sloping away, and then it's going to settle every once in a while, and especially if you get any overflowing gutters, it'll just erode and wash away. So that yeah. maintaining that, that sort of slope and that space to keep the walls as dry as possible is important, and it really does uh, help solve a lot of problems with water in the basement and even dampness in the basement. Okay. I appreciate that. That's what I will do, then. Thank you so much for taking my call. You're very welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks for calling us at 888 Pit. Well, accidental injuries are the leading cause of death in children ages 1 to 14, which is why childproofing your home is vitally important. Now, according to a report by safehome.org, nearly half of parents surveyed say that a child's injury could have been avoided with proper precautions. Now, the good news is that childproofing your home is affordable, easy, and it often requires nothing more than common sense habits and some simple DIY items. Now, the study shows that the most effective childproof measures include storing hazards like glass objects, alcohol, knives, cleaning products, and chemicals out of reach, and covering electric outlets in every room to prevent shocks. Now, some other important safety steps you need to consider would be to to do things like securing electrical cords or clearing blankets and toys from cribs and beds and locking cabinets and even using non-slip strips in the bathtubs and unplugging appliances when they're not being used. Now, smart home technology is helpful for child-proofing, too. Popular choices are window and door sensors that will alert you if a child is wandering, bathroom flooding sensors, indoor cameras, and movement-tracking baby monitors so that you can keep watch from another room. You know, while it's impossible to make your house 100% child-proof and accidents will happen, a lot of injuries can be avoided with the right safety measures. I mean, I think the challenge is mostly that what I found with my kids growing up is that grow so fast that they change every day with their skills. You know, one day you've got uh, them in the playpen, the next day they're climbing out because they figured that out, right? So it's always changing, so you really always have to be on top of it and expect the unexpected. Next up, we've got Daryl in Louisiana. What's going on at your money pit? I have an older house, probably in seventy, early 70s, and it has the old-time um, windows, just single glass pane, and I have a couple of uh, good-sized picture windows, like 
nine feet across or something like that, and they're big, and I lose a lot of energy there. One of them is on the south, on the west side, so I get that afternoon hot sun. Yeah. And um, I want to know if it would be better use of my money to replace the window with a new updated double pane, you know, nice modern window, or put some insulation in the attic, which the attic also needs insulation because there's not, you know, there's not much up there. I know I can use definitely use some insulation. Uh, what would be the best use of the money? All right. So a couple of things come to mind. So first of all, regardless of what you do with this window situation, I definitely would put more insulation in the attic. That's kind of a no-brainer. You're always going to get a good return on investment on that. So if you had, you know, if you had eight inches of fiberglass insulation and you could add eight or 10 or 12 more, you want to use unfaced fiberglass bats and then just stack them perpendicular to what you have. You have to trade off storage space. I don't know if you have a floor in that attic because you can't crush the insulation, but putting more insulation in that space is always going to make sense, economic and and comfort-wise. Up there now, it looks like it was blown insulation. It's like little pieces of foam or whatever it is. And I can, a lot of, most of the places I can see the rafters, you know, it's not above the rafters, which would be, I guess, eight inches. Um, but if I start putting insulation in there, I have all, all the wiring, like for the, the light sockets and all that, all the wiring is, is on top of that. So would I just put the insulation up, you know, on top of the wiring. Yep. Yeah. You can. Yes. You can have the wiring run through the the fiberglass bats. Um, when you say rafters, I think you're you're referring to the ceiling joists. The rafters are what's carrying the roof. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go all the way at the overhang from the ceiling joists up into those rafters because then you'd be blocking off any ventilation that you had at the overhang. So make sure that you allow for that ventilation. That's important in that that's in that situation. But no, there's no reason to to, to worry about covering as long as you have. Uh, when was your house built? It's probably 72. Okay. So, yeah, so you have traditional uh, non-metallic wiring. If you had a really old house, I would, there'd be, we'd have a different discussion about why you can't cover electrical wiring. But for a house like that, you can certainly put the insulation right on top of that wiring. And uh, I think it's going to make a big difference. Now, back to those picture windows, you have really two options there. So... Yes, you could replace them, and it is a big project, and it's an expensive project. Or you could maybe buy yourself some time by just picking up some solar shades. They're reflective on one side, and they help to kind of you know redirect that heat back outside so it doesn't overwhelm the house and add to the cooling load. It's going to be a lot less expensive. They're not nearly as attractive. Or if you do replace the window, you're going to use a low-E glass, which basically means it has an emissivity coating that reflects the UV of the sunlight back outside. So you'll find a huge difference if you put in insulated panels with a UV coating. And most of the Energy Star certified glass has that now anyway. But it's just a, you know, it's a huge difference in terms of cost. So it really depends on what you want to do. And you might, if you are going to do that, you could think about breaking it down, you know, doing the, those, uh, I think you said you had some that were facing west and, and if it's something that faces south, but do the western southern face first because that gets the most solar gain. Now, back to the insulation real quick. What's the best kind, the kind that you would just, like, blow in, like, in, in there now, or getting some kind that rolls out? Can you get around that attic as it is right now? Can you walk around I, it even I on? I can, I can, but I'm, I'm walking on the ceiling joists, you know. Tops, on the tops of the, of yeah, the ceiling joists, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it was me, I would use I would use unfaced fiberglass bats. It's a lot easier. If you want to go blown in, you got to rent the machine for that, and, you know, just another layer of complication you don't have to deal with. I would put unfaced fiberglass bats. I would lay them perpendicular to the joists. 
And I would probably, you know, pick up, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 inch thick bats and just lay them edge to edge right on top of the joist. You have a whole new layer of insulation there. It'll make a big difference for you year round. Okay, great. I really appreciate it. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, the past few months have been tough in the housing market, and a lot of people are turning towards renovating their home rather than buying a new one. Well, Misha Fisher, chief economist at Angie, is joining us with data why now is a better time to remodel than to buy. Lots of crazy stuff going on out there, huh, Misha? It is a wild housing market. Great to be with you both. Hey, well, it's great to have you. So the interest rates are continuing to rise. The indications are that we may be on the the border of a recession. So remodeling in that case, though, has a pretty strong advantage over purchasing because if you don't move, you are very well motivated to improve, right? That's exactly right. And what people really have to remember is that the cost of the house isn't just the cost of the house. It's also the interest that you're paying on your mortgage. And right now, we've got a significant portion of the population that's been locked into these great 
historically low mortgages, sub 3%, which we've never seen before. With inflation at 9%, we're talking about negative mortgage rates, which is also fairly unprecedented. And so if you move, you're giving up that mortgage in all likelihood. And as a result, the cost you're paying for your new space is going to be a lot more because you're paying more interest on it. Yeah, because we don't consider the cost of the money, but that's really critical. It's, it's so critical because everything else we buy, you don't think about the cost of money when you're buying apples at the grocery store, right? You don't think about cost of money when you're buying a vacation. But the cost of money really, really matters when you're talking about a house, which you're not buying all at once. You're buying it over 30 years or 15 years for you know those unlikely. But most of the time, it's a 30-year time that frame that you're buying in. And so you've got to think about the cost of money. Well, and I think it's interesting because your house really just isn't just your house anymore. It's not just the place where you live and have fun and sleep. It's now also the place where a lot of people are working. So the changes, I think, in what the needs of your home are have completely gone in a different direction. And that puts a lot of people in a weird situation where you either move, which is expensive, or renovate, which oddly is also crazy expensive. That's 100% correct. We, we started picking that up pretty early on in the pandemic in our Angie research, where we track why consumers are doing what they're doing, not just what they're spending, but why they're spending money. And the house took on all these new meanings. And it's true, you are paying more for a Lots of things than you used to be. Although inflation is coming down pretty quickly in building materials, it's more or less halved just in the last couple of months. So it's still high, but it's it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. But remember, the cost of selling your house, you're losing three to six percent in the transaction, plus you're giving up a mortgage. That's a lot of money. And so if you think about, well, yeah, I have to pay a little bit more for remodel, it's still a better deal. Well, if remodels are still expensive and maintaining your house is expensive. What percentage of your home's value do you think we should be budgeting for just maintenance and emergency repairs? I think that the 1% rule of thumb is actually pretty good. Now, if you look across the value of people's homes, we do track this in our research. Sometimes it's as low as about 0.4%, and sometimes it's a little over 1%. But if you can target 1%, recognizing that we all fall short of our goals, and so you don't quite save that much, but you're above half a percent, I think that puts you in a pretty good place. So now, Misha, if you are saving the money for the maintenance and you're finding yourself in a situation where you know, you're not going to be able to move, interest rates are high, the market is cuckoo bananas, and you do want to do some sort of renovation or remodel or addition, whatever that might be, How do you go about funding that if we're all sort of in this weird financial situation? Is there a way to borrow money for that? What are your options? I think that right now people have a lot of really good options, and that's because home equity has gone up so much. If you look at what happened to home prices over the last couple of years, that's really rough on prospective new buyers. But if you already owned a home or you bought a home at the earlier part of the pandemic, you're doing pretty good in terms of the gains in home equity that you've got. We're talking over $80,000 on average for the typical house over sort of the period of COVID in terms of additional home equity. So tapping into something like a HELOC, a home equity line of credit, or even just a straight home equity loan, both of those can be very attractive options because there's a lot of money there. Now, of course, you still have other things like cash-out refinances and credit cards and personal loans. The thing about the personal loans and the credit cards is you're going to be paying a much higher interest rate, and as the Fed raises rates, you're going to see those rates go up. And on a cash-out refi, those are really going to dry up because there's not much of an incentive to refinance your home at current mortgage rates. because Right, because you're going up. up. So. <laughs>
Yeah, exactly. I guess it really also depends on, on the size of, of the investment. I mean, if you're going to buy a new washer and dryer, for example, you know that might be an appropriate thing to finance through a credit card. But if you're going to go into a roof or a deck or something larger, then you really need a, a more stable long-term source like a home equity line of credit. You know, one of the things that, that my wife and I have done over the years is got the home equity line of credit but not used it. <laughs> you know, yeah. We we just had it in place. And that was really our emergency fund right there. And every, every couple of years, the bank goes, hey, you still want this thing? And then you got to you know, re-up <laughs> it and all that, all that kind of thing. But it seemed to be like a good way to rely on the value of the house and the equity in the house to have a, a source if we need to make those improvements and repairs. Yeah, that's exactly right. They are a very powerful tool in that sense. The main thing a consumer has to remember when you're using these things is, unlike with a credit card or personal loan, you are using your house as collateral. So make sure that you are comfortable. You, you get the benefit of the much lower rate, but you, of course, bear a little bit of risk that if you can't pay that loan off, somebody might come after your house. So you want to make sure that you are cognizant of that trade-off. We're talking to Misha Fisher. He's a chief economist for Angie. And Leslie, you know, as we have said many times before, there's a, we were talking about big projects, but there's a lot of smaller projects that actually give you a pretty good return on investment, right? I mean, there's truly so many things that you can do that benefit your situation currently when you're living in the house, but also do show you that big return on investment. I mean, a lot of just outdoor projects, we're still seeing decking, front of house maintenance, new doors, new porch steps, gardening, landscaping, landscape lighting, that kind of stuff. And then, of course, on the inside, it really depends on the level of investment you want. I mean, there's so many minor things that can make a major difference in a kitchen and bath that can give you a good return on investment. So you don't have to spend a ton to kind of see those things pay you back. Misha, is that what you're seeing over at Angie? Are you seeing a lot of investment in these smaller but high ROI projects? We're still seeing a range of projects, but what you're talking about is, I think, something that people have to really remember, and that is that these smaller projects can sometimes have an amazing return on the amount that you're spending on them because you can make a big visual difference for not a lot of money. And the reason being is that we've come up with all of these very clever labor-saving installations because labor has been so scarce. And so now let's say if you want a stone veneer outside, instead of having to have a mason who manually puts in blocks and mixed mortar and does all those things, they now come in those pre-made sheets that can fit onto a track and get installed really quickly. And those sorts of things, you know, a weekend project that can dramatically change the outlook for, you know, a couple dollars, you know, three to ten dollars a square foot. That is uh, the biggest way to sort of make an immediate splash in your home. That, things like painting, switching out a front door, all of those are really great projects to consider if you're still waiting to pull the trigger on spending tens of thousands on a kitchen remodel. Misha Fisher, the chief economist from Angie. Misha, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to, to visit with us and, and really interpret for us what's going on in this market so that we can all make some smarter decisions about maintaining and improving our homes. Misha Fisher from Angie, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you. Gail and Georgia is on the line with a wasp situation. What's going on? We have a lot of insects and reptiles and all kinds of things in this tropic climate. But the thing that is worse is the um, mud daubers that build their nests on the side of your house. And we're just constantly uh, fighting that. And my question is, is there a way to eliminate that problem? Well, not to completely eliminate it. I would say that, you know, there are some really good wasp traps that are out there. I, uh, for example, this summer, 
I used one from, uh, I think the company's called Rescue, which is ironic given the fact that they trap insects. But, <laughs> but, but, uh, it basically was kind of a fancy sticky trap is the best way to explain it. And it, it didn't look like a trap when I hung it up because we had a lot of wasps that are congregating near our garden. And, um, I came back a couple of days later and I said to my wife, I said, there is hardly a parking spot left on that trap. I mean, they just wow. it completely filled up the whole thing. So I think that kind of goes to maybe sort of reducing the populations a bit. So a wasp trap is a good thing. But generally, um, the ro- wasps are, are repelled by strong smelling plants or oils. So for example, if you have peppermint oil or something like that, uh-huh. um, or lemongrass oils, geranium, uh, clove, so you're those t- types you're of oils. You put this on the house? Spray it on where you see a nest form when they'll oh, go away. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. Um, so I think between traps and and a little bit of natural repellent, that's probably the best you're going to be able to do. They're a bigger problem than just your house, and there's no way you're going to keep them from doing what they do. They're very territorial, and they typically come back to the same area every year. So if you start to see that, you'll know where to spray, and maybe you can do that in advance of them showing up. Thank you. All right. Well, good luck with that project. I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, repairing concrete that's been chipped or broken or deteriorated, like on steps or your foundation or your driveway and sidewalks, it's a pretty common home repair project. But unfortunately, the reason it's so common is because it's one that many homeowners and even pros get wrong, and they ended up having to do it over and over again. And the reason is that they use the wrong repair material. You can't repair concrete with more concrete or mortar mix because it simply won't stick to the old surface. And as a result... Six months or a year later, or sometimes even sooner, that patch falls out and you're back to where you started and need to do it all over again. Yeah, so if you want to do this once and have that repair last, it's important that you choose a product that's designed specifically for structural repairs and one that's designed to stick to those old surfaces. Now, QuickRate is really, really good at this. They make a product called Polymer Modified Structural Repair. And of all the QuickRate repair products, this is the one that's most versatile because it's strong, it's going to set fast, and most importantly, and this is what really counts, it's got a high bond strength, which means it's going to stick like crazy to that old concrete surface that you're trying to fix. Now, the best part here is that you can use it for horizontal, vertical, even overhead concrete repairs. It can be easily shaped to match that surface that you're working on, and it sets in about 20 to 40 minutes. Yeah, but most importantly, you make it once and the repair is done. If you'd like to learn more about repairing concrete and the polymer modified structural repair product, just go to quickcrete.com and be sure to check out the how-to videos. Quickcrete, what America is made of. Tony reached out and he says that every year or two, he takes the time to remove the bottom element of his water heater and suck out the calcium deposits. The first challenge is that I have to rig up a piece of copper pipe onto the shop vac, tape it to the heater, and this is all just to accomplish this task. Is there a better tool out there to do this? I love your show, he also writes, so let's help this guy out. All right, well, we will help you. Even if you didn't love the show, we'd still still help you, but we appreciate you do. And listen, I think you're working too hard, Tony. You know, the internal drain valve should be more than sufficient to remove the calcium deposits from your water heater, which, by the way, are just adding a little bit of inefficiency by by the fact that they're there. They kind of act as an insulator and, and stop the water from heating up all that as quickly as it did. If it didn't, if it wasn't there, but it's really not that much of a big deal. But if you do want to clean it out, all you need to do is open up that drain valve. I would hook up a hose, like a garden hose to the drain valve. I would run it somewhere where the water can run off, 
and then I would open that valve for just a couple of minutes. Then I would shut it and uh, probably need to put a cap on the end of it because sometimes those valves aren't the best. So be sure you have like a little hose cap that you can put over the male end of that to make sure it doesn't leak. But uh, this way you'll just be spilling off whatever calcium that happens to form up there. You don't have to rig up anything from your shop. Just spill it off that water and shut the valve and you should be totally good to go. All right, Tony, I hope that helps you out. hope that saves you some time and some crazy home improvement trickery and <laughs> magic to accomplish this very same task. Well, we all know better than to leave medicine in reach of kids, but what about basic household cleaners? They, it turns out, can be just as toxic. That's why Leslie has tips to keep the little ones clear of cleaning products in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie? Yeah, you know, one of the big things, which is crazy when you think about it, but if you're a kid, I mean, these things look really great. I'm talking about those liquid laundry packets, you know, the detergents in that sort of gelatinous, colorful block that kind of just looks like the perfect size of candy, but it's not. It's super bad for you, and of course, it's packaged in a way that makes kids think it's really awesome and they want to eat it. So don't let them. Let's think about where we're going to keep that stuff so we can keep our kids safe. Now, consider this. There's one call every 42 minutes to U.S. poison control centers about a young kid under six who's been exposed to the chemicals in laundry detergent packets. A child under six is hospitalized every 42 hours after swallowing or otherwise coming in contact with a laundry detergent packet. I mean, that's about four kids every week. And children who are younger than three years old account for most of these laundry detergent packet exposures. And I mean, you kind of have to think about it because... Maybe they're not actually putting the detergent in their mouth, but kids, they're active, their hands are sticky and sweaty, and they see this fun, colorful detergent packet, they pick it up. And I mean, if you've ever picked one up with a damp hand, you know that they dissolve very, very quickly. So now a kid's picking it up, they're holding it, maybe it melts a little bit in their hand, and some of those chemicals get onto their hand. And then, of course, kids hand right to mouth, even though it's not the detergent packet itself. So you've got to think about that because those chemicals will last longer on their hands than you think. So there's so many things you've got to consider. So definitely put those away. Maybe put a strong lid on a jar that's totally out of reach, whatever it is, but make sure that you store them up and away from the kids. It's just smart. Yes, you can still continue to use them, but let's think twice before we just stick them on the counter. Good advice. Coming up next time on The Money Pit, you hate waiting for your shower to heat up. Hot water recirculating pumps can help. They deliver hot water to faucets almost immediately, and they can save you more than 10,000 gallons of water every year. We'll explain how they work on the very next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.